In this episode, we sit down with Jason Ball and getting graphical with WordPress. Jason is the creator and maintainer of WP GraphQL. We get to talk all about GraphQL and how we can use WordPress as a headless CMS. Check it out. Welcome back, peeps, to Perfect.dev, where we give you cats the freshest dose of dev snacks. Now with your amazing hosts, Alex Patterson and Brittany Postma. This episode is sponsored by Builder.io, visually build on your tech stack. Jason Ball, what up, Jason? Welcome. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> I almost stumbled on our title with the whole graphy QL. That was, that was pretty it's clever. Graphical. Graphical. So Jason is the creator and maintainer of WP GraphQL, which is a WordPress plugin that uh, allows for a headless WordPress WordPress uh, REST endpoint of GraphQL. Is that a terrible way to say it? I hope not. So I'm going to let Jason talk yeah. all about it. Jason, can you tell us just a little bit of your background, how you kind of got into the WordPress world and have uh, and wanted to create uh, this plugin for it? Yeah, sure. Um, I've been doing WordPress development uh, for, I don't know, what, 13 or so years now. Um, so, yeah, I've been been yeah very familiar with WordPress and how folks use it. Uh, and then I was working for a newspaper uh, organization. We had 100 and something newspapers across the U.S. And we did a lot of content syndication. Uh, so when when one newspaper, for example, I'm in Denver, as you might have noticed, uh, uh, when when the Denver Post, for example, that was one of our newspapers, when they publish article, you know, Denver Broncos win the Super Bowl, uh, that might need to get published on multiple newspapers across the country that we also run. And instead of having somebody log into each one and, you know, publish it, we would automate that, right? So data would move from one site to another site, uh, and uh, so we were moving a lot of data. We were using the WordPress REST API to do a lot of this movement of data to communicate over the network with, with each other. Um, and that was, uh, as we scaled, we, we were on WordPress uh, for these newspaper sites. We started with one newspaper on WordPress, then two, then three, and then 54 uh, were on <laughs> WordPress. Uh, and as we scaled that process of syndicating data, uh, it became problematic for us. Um, one, the the network, the actual network responses were problematic um, because when when you're dealing with a RESTful API, uh, each resource is a different endpoint. So, and when you're syndicating, think of a newspaper article. When you're syndicating a newspaper article, there's the actual article itself, but then there's the author that wrote it. There's the categories and the tags that are associated with it. All of those are different entities. Uh, then you have images that are associated with it. So to syndicate one article, you're actually moving a lot of resources mm-hmm. to, to get the job done. And, um, and so the two problems, there was actual network performance issues that were causing us issues, especially when you had to do it to 54 sites um, or, you know, any subset of that amount. Um, I, can so I that was causing us problems. That- is that across the like wide area network or like internet or what, what were yeah. you actually sending that over? Yeah, we were using HTTP. Uh, so it was just websites talking to websites. Um, okay. And they partly they the websites were operated independently. Like we had access to them, but some newspapers would get acquired and we'd have to divest it. And like it had to largely operate independently. So they weren't like one cohesive thing. Um, but anyway, yeah, so we were, we were sending this data, uh, caused actual network problems, but more than that, it caused developer performance problems, I would call it. Uh, because when something went wrong, right, it was very difficult, uh, to figure out where the thing that went wrong, went wrong. Um, mm-hmm. and part of that is rest, restful APIs are implicit where you have an endpoint and you get whatever the server tells you you're going to get. You as the developer have limited control over over what the endpoint is going to give you, and so that was often problematic. Something on the server would change. We weren't prepared for that change. Something broke. It was difficult to figure out what, why, who, what, when. You know, it was, so it, ca- it caused us a lot of headaches. Um, 
And so we were, we were kind of rethinking like, okay, how can we make this, make our jobs easier? And GraphQL was open sourced in 2015 by Facebook. I did some research into it and I said, Hey, this might solve. I was less concerned about the network issue problems. Like we, we had solutions we could have done to fix some of those things. I was more concerned about our developer workflows. And so this GraphQL thing looked interesting where you can do multiple resources uh, in individual requests. So I, uh, I started looking into this technology and, uh, and prototyped it at home and then showed some of my coworkers. Took a little while to get some buy-in, but finally, you know, I was able to say, Hey, I think, I, I think we can actually solve some of our issues with this. So got buy-in from, from coworkers. We started working on revamping our syndication, which is not like the first thought people have when they think of GraphQL. Um, but we started revamping that platform to use GraphQL, uh, specifically mutations, which is actually writing data instead of yeah. querying data. Um, and so part of it, part of it gave us like better guarantees on the validation we were doing, um, just a better way to structure our code to um, easier to look at a GraphQL query and mutation and see what what the intent was when whoever wrote the code wrote it because we could say oh they wanted these exact fields so if that ever breaks we at least knew what they were trying to do at that time where with rest you'd look at an endpoint and you're like ah oh, crud i don't i don't really know what that person was trying to do with that endpoint so you got to spend a lot of time digging through and figure out what what they were trying to do where graph kills were explicit so uh Yes, yeah, so we got to work in with the newspaper. Um, I continued working on it just as open source project on my own time, um, knowing that content syndication was probably not going to be like the big reason people would use it. JavaScript front ends probably would be. And uh, so I kept working on other use cases that I thought would bridge the WordPress world with the GraphQL world for a larger audience. And then in what was it, 20. I don't even remember time in the last few years. A couple of years ago, I got picked up by Gatsby. Gatsby reached out. Uh, Gatsby, which is a JavaScript framework for building blazing fast React apps. Uh, they uh, reached out to me and said, hey, we really like this project. We have a lot of audience that wants to use WordPress as a CMS and Gatsby as the front end. Um, you want to work on this full time. So I, I joined them for, what was it, about a year and a half. Then some priorities changed there. And then uh, so I'm, now I'm at WP Engine, uh, which is a WordPress host, uh, and they're employing me to continue the project. Oh, wow. Well. So you get to work full-time on the project at WP Engine. Yeah. Wow. That's really Yeah, cool. and I was pretty much full-time on it at Gatsby as well. There's some, like, Gatsby plugins and stuff I was working on as well, but it was all focused around bridging headless WordPress with Gatsby. Sure. That's, That's awesome. Incredible. Well, cool. So I know at one point, and it's been a minute since I touched WordPress, um, there is a REST API out of the box for WordPress, correct? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, is there any intention by WordPress to also include maybe this as a standard implementation? Yeah, uh, there hasn't been to my... Not at least including me. There hasn't been any official conversation about that. Okay. Um, there has been unofficial conversations about it <laughs> with sure. like, um, and in my so it's it's interesting. There there's a lot of value that GraphQL brings to especially developers, um, and it would be cool to have it in in WordPress core because WordPress core as of like this week is forty three. WordPress is 43% of the web right now, so it's everywhere. Uh, so having access to this technology everywhere would be would be nice. Um, on the flip side, uh, when something is merged into WordPress core, because it impacts 43% of the web, things don't change often. Um, and so, like, for example, there, the REST API was merged in, I think it was the winter of 2016, if my timeline is correct. It was either... And the 2015 or end of 2016, I can't remember. Um, there's still bugs in that that have not been addressed five years later because users have gotten used to the bug as a feature, right? <laughs> and if you change it, it could break their 
their application that's using it. So that's one one argument is like, okay, whatever makes it into core stays, right? It's like you've kind of agreed that this is perfect, right? <laughs> and uh, we're keeping it as a plugin. WordPress is versioned, but there's this in the WordPress community is like you could update from WordPress 1.0, which is, you know, 15 years old to WordPress, you know, 5.8, which is right now. Yeah. And your site would still work. So there's there's okay. a very strong commitment to backward compatibility. Um, so which does lead to in often cases, it leads to poor developer experience because there's a lot of old stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it leads to great user experience, right? I could yeah. up, I could go to a site that I created for a friend in 2008 and update it today, and there's a very good chance it will still work. And so for users, for users, it's it's an awesome experience. Um, for developers, it's challenging sometimes, right? Uh, and so so yeah, WP GraphQL being a being a plugin allows us to iterate and make breaking changes and version it in a way that you can opt into the version that works for your project. Today's podcast is brought to you by Builder.io, visually building the web. Builder.io has one of the most powerful visual editors in the industry. Unlike other tools, Builder actually produces the code for you. You don't have to completely switch out your framework either. Just use one of the handy SDKs that are available. There's no limits to what you can build. Instead of limiting your marketing team, start to optimize and let them do the work. This will allow your web developers to get back to the hard work that it takes for other components, allowing your team to do A-B testing and personalization. Stop worrying about bugs in production. Just use the site as it is, then you can analyze and start converting all of your customers with Builder's built-in heat maps. Stop limiting your growth with developers' long lead times. Start building, optimizing, analyzing, and start growing faster. Don't take my word for it. You can sign up for free today and start building the web visually with Builder.io. One other one other thing is that GraphQL is a specification used by many systems, right? It's not like it's similar to JSON, right? JSON is a specification for a data type and mm-hmm. it can be used everywhere, right? And GraphQL is similar, it's more complex than JSON, but it uh, but it can be used anywhere. So like GitHub has a GraphQL API, Yelp has a GraphQL API, Facebook has, you know, all these systems have GraphQL APIs and we can use the same tools with all of them. The GraphQL specification, though, updates over time. And if WordPress Core to, were to implement GraphQL today and the GraphQL specification updated tomorrow, then 43% of the web would be using an outdated version of GraphQL. Of course, you could potentially ha- add two versions, like GraphQL 1, GraphQL 2, you know, or, or something like that. But then you're just stacking on technical debt as well. So mm-hmm. there's conversations like that that would have to be considered deeply, I think, before putting it out to 43% of the web was decided. Yeah. All right, cool. That's that's really awesome. Um, I know Brittany hasn't worked a lot with uh, WordPress. I, I used to. It was probably my first thing out of college, um, essentially, like probably probably more than those 43%, probably 80% of developers that, that worked on that. Um, I think there's always a big debate and, and there's been some heated conversations about uh, monolithic versus Jamstack and all of that fun stuff. But there's also kind of this methodology these days that you can spin up a, a WordPress website and use it as a headless CMS. And there's a lot of people doing that um, now. We talked a, a bit about it. And I'll put a link out on the podcast uh, with, with Jason uh, back in like uh, episode 11 of this season. Um, so check that out. But I think what I'd like to do now is kind of transition. This part might be a little more difficult if you're listening on audio, but we'll we'll try to kind of work through this. But Jason's going to show off kind of some of the ins and outs of WP GraphQL. And uh, we'll take a look at how you can actually like use it as a headless CMS, essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I've got my screen shared here. And uh, basically what, what we're looking at here is just a, a regular old WordPress site. Um, I just imported some 
dummy content here so we can we can click around this is just normal wordpress rendered by php so i can click links like click an author and then we can see posts authored by this author you know we can cool. click recent posts we can navigate so just a normal wordpress site um can you, if can we want to uh, kill that download bar yeah. maybe we'll steal a little more of the screen uh oh yes yeah, bottom of the browser there we go sorry sure cool perfect yeah, so we can, this is just normal WordPress, nothing headless, no GraphQL happening at all yet. Um, if we, I'm going to log into the dashboard here. So this is the WordPress dashboard. Uh, this is very vanilla install. Um, there's zero plugins activated yet. Um, so if you want to get started with WP GraphQL, you can uh, log into your WordPress install. You can click this add new button and search GraphQL. And you'll find the this uh, elephant, the GraphQ elephant, as I like to call it. Um, <laughs> I've already installed that. So if you haven't installed it, there would be an install button. Uh, for me, it's an activate button, so I can activate that. And, I love uh, that it's an elephant. When that's, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, I was just a play on words is why I decided. I was like, ooh, GraphQ elephant. That sounds cool. <laughs> that does sound then, cool. Uh, I'm an Alabama fan, so I like elephants. Nice. Someone pointed out like a couple years later, they're like, oh, I get why you did it because PHP's logo is an elephant. And I was like, oh, I didn't do that on purpose, but <laughs> it makes sense. Does make like, sense. I'm, yes, I'm, yes, I I'm glad. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was. Uh, but yeah, so when, when you activate it, what will happen is you get this GraphQL tab here on the admin and you also get a button here. Um, and then this this interface that I just opened is called Graphical. Uh, so GraphQL, but with an I up here, and this is, it's an IDE for interacting with your GraphQL schema. So when, when you activate the plugin, what happens, you get this, I, you get this view, but we can also go in our browser to your site slash GraphQL and you'll have a GraphQL endpoint. So we'll see here that some JSON is being returned to us instead of a HTML page. Um, and so we'll be able to interact with this endpoint using this IDE. And so what, what happens, WP GraphQL reads the underlying uh, registries that WordPress has to define what types of content can be managed. So with, when, with, when WordPress, when, you, when you're using vanilla WordPress, you have different types of content. You have blog posts, you have media, right? Like images and videos. You have pages, you have comments, uh, you have themes, you have plugins, you have users, and then you have settings, right? So that's like you get that out of the box with any WordPress install. And then obviously you can install uh, plugins that modify the behavior. Um, so out of the box, what, what WP GraphQL does, it reads all of this type of content and it puts it into a GraphQL schema, which allows you to ask for whatever data you want in response. So what I can do that using graphical, um, I can click buttons in here to explore the schema. So there's queries and mutations. Queries allow us to ask for data and mutations allow us to send data back to WordPress. Um, and so I can explore this by clicking in and then I can scroll down and read things. So we can see that there's settings. Like I mentioned, we can get settings we can get categories, which like would be post categories. We can get comments. Uh, we can get all sorts of stuff. If you know what you're looking for, you can also type in here like post and see all the different ways we can interact with posts. So page. it tells you everything that's available at that endpoint. Yep. And so there's a there's a lot of lot of stuff going on here. My favorite my favorite way to uh, to do this, I, since I'm familiar with it, is uh, just start typing over here. So like a common use case in WordPress would be to get a list of posts. So we can just start typing and it'll give us hints. It'll say, this is what's available based on what you're typing. And uh, so I can query for uh, the nodes. E each post object would be considered a node in uh, WP GraphQL. And then we can start asking for fields of each post node. So things like an ID and a title and the date. 
And then we can execute by clicking this play button. And then in response, we get actual JSON uh, payload that matches the shape of our request. Uh, so a GraphQL query, as you can see, it looks similar to JSON. Uh, it's like the keys without the values. And then the response is actual JSON keys and values. And so we can, we can specify what we want from the system and get a payload that matches that. So over time, um, you know, our manager might say, Hey, in, in addition to the ID, the title and date, we also need the author. Right. And so what we can do, you know, you can come back later to the query and say, Oh, I want the author. And on the author, the author is a node by itself as well. And the, the author node would have its own properties like a name and maybe like an avatar, which might have a URL, right? So I can execute this and, and in one request, I can get multiple resources. Where in, in a RESTful API, I would have to get the post the payload would return an ID to the author, and then I would have to do a round trip to get the author. And at least in the WordPress REST API, you would also have another endpoint to get the avatar for that author. So we're dealing with three resources here, post, author, and the avatar of the author. So GraphQL lets you be very explicit and say, hey, my application needs these exact fields. I don't want anything else. That's all and right. so you get, to you get to specify what you need. And um, so we can do this with any any type of content in WordPress, right? We can start with users and get users directly. Oops. We can get their name, and we can go the reverse way. Like I could get posts that the that the user has authored, right? Um, so we could do kind of the inverse of what we just did. The other the other thing I really like, um, for instance, on our site we have like our top three blogs, our top or our latest three blogs, our latest three whatever, and you can yeah. string all of that together in GraphQL, right? Yep. Yeah. So you can. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can chain data. One, one uh, follow. Calls, so you don't have to have like four calls going back. Yeah, that's another thing too. I can enter the the root of the query multiple times, so I could. Oh, I got my caps lock on. So I could ask for posts directly from the root of the query and users at the same time. Right, so I can get my posts and my users. So I got two different lists of data in one network request, um, which is really cool. Um, so there, there's some some really cool stuff you can do that, with this. Um, and so some other features of like the GraphQL query language that I think are, are uh, really good for uh, headless WordPress or like headless development these days is a concept called fragments and what fragments are. So if I take a query, like I just did uh, in, in like kind of the componentized architecture of today, like where everybody's using react or view or something like that, the, the common pattern is you build components that handle a specific need, right? Like, so if we, if we were looking at, um, let me go, so I, I have some history here. I'll go back. Let's say let's say we're doing something simple like this. We had a list of posts, and we and for each post we needed to render the the title and the date, right? What we would probably do in our component architecture is have two components: a post list component and a post component, right? So you'd have one component that is responsible for getting a list, and one component that, that's responsible for rendering the individual thing. So what we can do in GraphQL uh, is something called fragments. And so we can say uh, fragment and we can call this anything we want. We can say like post data, it, like this doesn't matter. We can call it anything. And we say on post. So anytime we get to this type of data in the graph, we can specify the fields we want. So we can say, I want the ID, the title and the date. And then what we can do is replace it up here and then we can execute and we're, we're still getting the same data. What we can do though, is couple this fragment with our component that renders the HTML for that data. Uh, yeah, so you in your application, the, you just spread yeah. that back in. Yeah. Yep. So you would have, you would have a post list component, for example, that would have this query and you would, you'd import your 
post component to that and the fragment for the post, mm -hmm. right? And uh, and so yeah, as you grow, as your application grows, uh, the the data dependency is right there with the the markup that you're outputting. So your boss comes back to you a month later and says, "Hey, you know what? We we actually need to uh, output. I don't know, like the GMT date, right? Which is you know." So we could say, okay, we need to go get that now instead of whatever or whatever it is. And so you just add that to the one component and then you update your markup and then it works, right? You don't have to and do then, this whole, like, oh, I got to find out where we're fetching the data and then I got to go over here and transform it. And then I got to go here and then. It's no, just, you just got to worry about fragment. how to format it on the front end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's for sure too. Um, <laughs> and there's, there's some of those things though we have, uh, let me, uh, yeah, let me uh, switch over. So uh, I'll show some of that as well in a second. Um, I'm going to activate. So the graphical we're looking at now shows with WP GraphQL today. I am working on a new version of, of graphical. So you can get it. It's on GitHub under um, under WP GraphQL. Is graphical something that you created? And no. Um, I wish, uh, I just use it. Um, <laughs> so graphical, what, yeah, Facebook open sourced it. Um, and it's like a react component. It's now part of the graph, uh, the actual GraphQL foundation, uh, which okay. is separate from Facebook now. Um, but yeah, the, so they open source it. I use it. Um, I'm working on a, a new version of the WordPress specific version. So it's open source. As well, you can go download it. It'll ship with WP GraphQL in the future, but I'll activate that to show some other cool features real quick. So when you, if you activate that, same thing, it's just a little bit uh, newer interface. Um, so we still have graphical here, but we have some additional features. Um, like I can switch between executing as a logged in user or a public user uh, because WordPress has some data that is not visible to public users. Um, and so, so I'll, I'll kind of want to show some of that stuff. So we can say like, there's a query in here called viewer. So we can get information about who the current viewer is. And, uh, so if I execute this right now, as a, I'm executing as a public user, it's going to say nobody there. I don't, I don't know who you are. If I click this button, uh, we can see it's, it's using whoever I'm logged in as here. It's going to use my identity. So now I can execute and says, oh, I know who you are, right? So we can do some very dynamic stuff here, right? Um, uh, like WooCommerce is a big e-commerce platform for WordPress. There's a GraphQL extension for that, right? So you can get your product information, which is general, generally public to anybody. But then you can also get your cart information, right? Like what, what items are in your cart and, and how to calculate taxes for your zip code or whatever it might be. Um, so stuff that's unique to you, you can you can interact with. If if we don't know who you are, you might not get the data. If we know who you are, you might get the data. This sounds right? like a better interface to me. I'm I'm familiar with putting headers in in the bottom those query variables where you have to yeah. put in the header for the stuff you need, and that's how you would typically do that. In or in the cases that I've used, and that's nice to have that visual there that just kind of logs you in, and then it allows you to access that. Yeah, and behind the scenes, that is what what is happening. It yeah. still is like over the network. We still have to send headers to identify who we are. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this is just trying to make it easier for you to to get up and yeah. running. Um, there's a, there's some really there's a, there's other cool stuff we can do. Um, so frag, fragments is a really cool thing. Um, there's a, another concept called variables. So we can say like uh, we'll say query, and we can name our queries. So we can say like get posts, and we get we can say um, we can define a variable. So variable in GraphQL starts with the dollar sign and you can name it anything you want. And then you have to say what type of data it's going to be. So we'll say this is going to be an integer. And then we can write our query and say posts first. And we're going to use a variable value for this. And then we can ask for what we need to ask for, like the ID and the title. And now we have this uh, first variable here. So whatever, whatever value I put in here, like two, will affect this query. So we'll, we're going to have two posts returned or one post returned or, you know, 10 posts returned. So 
what what this allows me to do is write write a query that my component can use, but allow users to submit, you know, interactive elements. Like, I don't know, if if you were on a product page and you wanted to see 10, you know, products per page or 20 or whatever, the user can interact with it and it can affect the outcome of the query, right? Um, is, so is there you can idea of pagination with this setup as yeah. well. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Yeah. So you, you can paginate for sure. Um, so there's a concept in uh, so so one thing one thing to note about GraphQL in general uh, before I get into the pagination, GraphQL the technology by itself does not enforce any schema design decisions. Uh, you can have a schema that is as simple as one field hello that returns a string world, right? And that could be your entire GraphQL API. Uh, it, and it can also get very complex. Um, when it comes to things like pagination, GraphQL itself doesn't do anything for you to paginate. Um, but in the GraphQL community, there's a relay, there's a specification called the relay specification, which also came from Facebook. Um, and it's a set of conventions for how they think a schema should be designed uh, to uh, accomplish common needs, right? And pagination is one of those needs. Mm -hmm. um, so when you're paginating data, uh, some things you need to know about the data would be, is there more data, uh, right? Am I at the end of the list or is there more data? If there is more data, how can I get to it, right? Mm -hmm. And so in here, there's a concept called edges. And this is a concept that comes from the uh, the uh, graph or from the relay spec. And so instead of querying for nodes directly, we can query for edges. And what edges do is it gives us some contextual data uh, about between the query and the node itself. And what we can do is ask for a thing called a cursor. And for anyone and, on audio, too, we switched from using nodes to a singular yeah. node now. So edges and then yeah. node. Oh, sure. And so we, we can ask for what's called a cursor. And this is a reference for where in the list of data that specific node is. And then what we can also ask for is something called page info. And we can ask, does this query have a next page? So there's a field called has, has next page. That'll either say true or false. Um, and then we can ask for, we can either ask for the cursor at this point, or we can also ask for uh, what's called the end cursor here. If I execute this, it's going to say has next page is true. And so I can ask for the next page. I say, okay, I asked for 10 items. The server says there's more than 10. We can verify this also by, uh, I'm going to open the post uh, view here. We can see there are uh, 39 posts altogether. 37 of them are published. So if we're asking for 10 items, we'll get four pages, right? Um, so what we can do, we can uh, change our query to have an after variable. And this will be a string. And we will change it in here too. We'll say after. So what we're going to do, if we query for 10 items, that'll be our first page. And we can say after null. So there, we're not going to say after anything. So if I query this, this will be page one. Uh, and then I can use this cursor, the end cursor. I can either take it from here or I can take it from the edge. And I can put it, oh, I did not copy it. So if I copy that cursor and execute again, I'll get the next set of results. And this would be very similar to saying like page two right here. Uh, so I'll get the next set of results and we can continue until uh, has next page returns false. So one more and we'll be at the end of the list. So now has next page is false and we have like whatever the last seven items. Um, so now I know you reached the end of the list. So you can use that for infinite scroll or, you know, like uh, like Slack. When you're scrolling through Slack, every time you scroll, it says, hey, is there more messages? And it loads them. Is there more messages? And it loads them, right? You can build a UI like that. 
I have a blog post where I go in depth on pagination and I show how to do it with like next and previous buttons as well. Um, and oh, yeah. so, throw, yeah, there's a, to the notes. Cool. Oh yeah, sure. So it's like wpgraphkill.com and, uh, maybe yeah, here we go. Pagination. Ah, oh, there we go. Pagination. Yeah, there we go. Uh, oh, did I not click it? I don't know how to use a computer. There we go. So a blog post called Forward and Backward Pagination with WP GraphQL. And there's, uh, yeah, there's like examples in here, and I think there's a code sandbox um, somewhere in here if it loads. Yeah. Uh, yeah, here we go. Yeah, so the, this, uh, it shows, it's like an actual UI that shows. It looks like it's taking a minute to load, but. But yeah, so that's uh, so so we have pagination, we have variables. Um, there's another really cool thing that I love called aliases. Um, so if you had like a component and you said, "Hey, we don't want this thing to be called title; we want it to be called name," right? I can in my query, I can say, "I want the title, but can you give it to me uh, called name?" Mm-hmm. And so I just I say, "Give it to me called name," and in response, it comes back to me called name. Um, so I can do some cool stuff like that. Um, I can also do, uh, you mentioned formatting. Um, not all fields support this at the moment, but it's possible to, um, so we can, we can pass arguments to individual fields. So I can say like, I want, I want the content to be rendered, which would be like in WordPress, you have raw content, which is like whatever the user inputs. And then you have rendered content, which takes what they input and makes sure it's HTML, right? Um, yep. So I can execute this, and I'll get the rendered HTML, or I can execute raw, which will give me something else. Sometimes, some sometimes it looks <laughs> the same. But like here, here's a good example. There's a what WordPress has a concept called shortcodes. Um, I can also query this side by side. So we can say uh, with an alias, I can say rendered, and I just so we can see it side by side and I can say render. But we'll see here. This is, this is something that's used behind the scenes in WordPress, but that doesn't make sense. Like on, on the front end, like nobody, nobody gets value out of this. Right. Uh, and so behind the scenes, we have like that video one. Oh, it's actually, it didn't work here. Ah, tisk, tisk. Oh, it gives you the it HTML. Yeah. But it didn't uh, render out. I see. Yeah, that was a that might be a bug, um, but anyway, you can see there there's differences in, in the output. Um, yeah, here, cool, here's bro. a better example. You could, we you have, could start to like write your own functions around these as well. So take yeah. the short codes and in React now stick a component in there type of thing. Yep, you could. Here here's a better example. Here was a raw YouTube uh, link that was in the raw content. But in the rendered content, it's the actual full YouTube iframe. Right? Nice. Oh, nice. Um, so, so there's stuff like that. Um, we, you could do this with things like dates. Like that's when you mentioned it. You could, yeah. We could have different formats for dates. We don't at the moment, but we could, um, and very likely will at some point. Um, I'm using, but yeah, a so layer clause. I think on the Spelt Siren site to like order by date. Yeah, so we can we can do that as well. Um, so we can say uh, we can say where we can we can do whatever we can say like author in and we can pass it like a list of IDs. Uh, let me I'm gonna get rid of the content just because it's long. But we can then I'll query for some authors just so we can see. So I can filter. Um, let's see, what is it? Author. Let me do it without it. So we can get okay. So my author's ID is three. So when I did it by author one, it didn't work because I don't have an author one. I do have an author three though. So I can query by author three, and we can see I'm going to get any any articles written by author three. Which let's see who who that is. We have Chris Ames. He's authored three articles. We can we can verify this right. We can go to the front end or or whatever, and uh, just make sure we're getting the right data, right? 
So we can say, uh, here's Chris Ames. We can look at his archive page here. Oh, that actually went to his website. I didn't want that. <laughs> uh, let's see. I thought it would have gone to, let's see. But that yeah. would allow all you to get like, all the posts by Chris Ames. So you could then have yeah, like, exactly. another page that would list out all his posts. Yeah, so. so at the oh, end of the day, you're you're basically taking a lot of um, I don't know if you're running an Apollo client or, or what's on top of this, but you're essentially taking whatever graph uh, query language and breaking that down to a SQL statement, I assume, since that's what's under the hood on WordPress. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, it goes. Yeah. From GraphQL, it, WordPress has internal mechanisms for querying SQL uh, like there's a there's a series of classes called WP Query, WP User Query, WP Tax Query. So it, it uses all of those things, and the WordPress ecosystem uh, hooks into those things and and does things like there's cache plugins, for example, oh. that will hook into those mechanisms. So you can install something like a Redis cache mechanism that will cache objects from WordPress into Redis, and that that works with regular WordPress, but that will also work here. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so you can take advantage of the existing WordPress ecosystem things. Um, there's there's some some other cool things, um, like uh, there's plugins out there where you can, without writing code, you can define uh, custom post types in WordPress. Um, there's popular plugins, like uh, there's one called Custom Post Type UI, uh, that does this. And then there's plugins like advanced custom fields that are popular that allow you to create fields in WordPress. I'm going to demo one from my employer, WP Engine. It's called Atlas Content Modeler. And so what this allows us to do is without writing any code, uh, we can we can create new models or new data types in WordPress. Um, so let's say we were like cars, for example, it would maybe be a good one. Um, so we give it a single name and a plural name. And then we can define whether it's public. We can choose like an icon that we want. I don't know if there's a car icon. I guess there's probably not. Oh, there is. Sweet. Uh, <laughs> so we can have cars and we can say like a collection of cars or whatever. So we is can we can create a table within SQL then. Um, it's not. It's using it's using WordPress conventions. So it's using what's called post type. So it's a, a same table that any type ah, of post okay. would be stored in. Gotcha. Uh, but we could give it like we can give it different fields, right? Like name, uh, or like I don't know what's a good one. Uh, make or whatever, or model. Yeah, make model. We'll, give, we'll go model. <laughs> you know, yeah. There we go. So we could uh, we could create that. Uh, we could add another field. You said color. I don't know if we have a color picker in here yet, but so we'll just do a, a string. We'll just, you know, color of. We'll just start there. We'll say make and model. So what you can see though, like I just created this. I didn't write in code and already I have the cars showing up here, right? I didn't have to write PHP, right? So I, if I'm a full-on JavaScript developer, for example, I don't. I could be pretty successful without writing PHP here. Um, so I, I can now, yeah, I can, I can go model my data uh, and then I can go publish some data. So I can come in here and I can say, you know, we have like a, what it, what's a model? So yeah, I don't know. We'll say like model Y. There we go. <laughs> and we'll say white. Huh. Right. So then I can publish this content. And then what's what's cool? If I'm in uh, if I'm in content model here, I can actually uh, click open in graphical here, and we can see it's going to generate a query. If I didn't break this, I yeah, there we go. So <laughs> it's going to tell me like, oh, here's here's how you can query this in graphical. There's also this UI. I, I totally skipped this. There's this UI over here too, called the Query Composer, um, that allows us to like oh, yeah. create oh. queries by by UI. So like I can click. I have to use that this. version for every GraphQL thing I've ever done because I can yeah. never remember it all. <laughs> it's yeah. Nice. So you can you can navigate the graph and then click the fields you want. Um, I I sometimes forget that's there because I I just like to type. Uh, more but yeah so it'll generate query for you here right and it and it uses the fragments and uh so so i can go take this put it in my react component or my view component or whatever it might be uh and so yeah without writing a line of p 
PHP, I just generated a new model or, you know, type of content in WordPress. I published it and now I'm able to get it out of my application, right? So, uh, and then we could, you could also do, you could also mutate from GraphQL too, um, which I mentioned, but so we can say like- Is there an idea behind like published and unpublished content? Yes. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So you let's. Uh, you have show. I was just kind of curious as I was thinking through. I, I like, will. I will. I will. And published and unpublished, and uh, yeah, I know yeah. We, we could get into like every aspect, but I think this is a really good overview to get people kind of excited about like the the capability that that um, WP GraphQL has. Uh, unfortunately, we're running a little bit up on time for the. Oh, okay. I know Jason would be more than happy to show like people this stuff yeah. all day long. I think, um, do you have a, a YouTube channel where you show a lot of this off as well? Um, not as much as I should, but yeah, you can, uh, WP GraphQL um, is, is my YouTube channel. You can also, I have videos on WordPress.tv as well, like conference okay. talks and whatnot. Cool. Um, I'll put that up uh, on our, our blog post too. And then WP Engine also has a uh, DevRel channel. Uh, if you go to developers.wpengine.com, uh, we've got a podcast that talks a lot about headless WordPress. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so we've got a podcast. We've got some videos. We've got tutorials and whatnot. Uh, Fantastic. We'll throw all those in the show notes. And that yeah, will help sure. people know where to go and get started. Cool. Well, we're going to shift gears a little bit here and uh, jump over to our perfect picks. I've completely lost where my browser window is for our perfect fix. <laughs> there it is. Okay. So our first perfect pick is actually one from Jason. Jason, do you want to talk about this one? Yeah, so I picked uh, local by Flywheel. Uh, uh, so you could, you could actually find it at localwp.com as well. Uh, and so local is a developer tool that it's a desktop application you install uh, and it allows you to spin up WordPress environments with the click of a button. It'll set up the database. It'll set up everything you need uh, to start running WordPress. Um, takes probably 30 seconds to have a WordPress install up and running. Um, I use it every single day. Yeah, it's really incredible. When we're kind of going through and the phase free. of having uh, WordPress as coding cats, uh, at full site, we were using it quite a bit. So, or at least I was. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Brittany, your yeah. first. Pick. Yeah, my first pick is e-commerce on the Jamstack with Snipcart, Next.js, and WordPress, which is a mouthful. But if you do not know who Colby Fayok is, you may recognize him a little bit better as Space Jelly, which I have his sticker right. I can't figure out which way to go right there. <laughs> Like and he's the little space jelly octopus. <laughs> it's really cool. He is a great guy and a great teacher. And he works a lot with headless WordPress. And this will get you set up with a cart, like an e-commerce store that you can just ship and start selling stickers, space jelly stickers. <laughs> and it's on level up tutorials, which is also a fantastic platform. So. I probably shouldn't have clicked that button, but I saw a WP GraphQL section in there. So good call. There you go. See. <laughs> yeah. And then Brittany's fun pick. Yes, my fun pick is Procreate. I have been really diving in the last few days doing some YouTube tutorials on it just to get the feel. Every time you get into a new application, it's kind of overwhelming with how many choices there are. And Procreate is not an exception to that. It's very (laughs) in-depth. There's a lot to look at and see. And so I like to have those video tutorials to kind of show me where things are. And I've been doing some of the regular tutorials and yesterday I did my first animated one and I finished it and we're showing it on screen it's an animated snow globe there's snow falling onto a snowman and some trees there it's really fun to just play with and relax that's cool I have to ask did you make the entire snow globe and everything I drew everything wow that's really incredible that's that's awesome (laughs) but procreate gives you a lot of helpers like the circles and stuff you can like you draw the circle and then you hold it and it will automatically yeah. generate the right circle. And so Cor- correct me on this. Does procreate do vectors or no? 
Um, I, not that I've seen yet. Okay. I mean, you can make things that look like vector artwork, mm -hmm. but it's not like an SVG. Okay. I always, I always struggled through all of those pieces because you know I love my SVGs. So. Yeah, I know. I do too, and that's why I like Figma a lot, but it, I don't think it does SVG files. Cool. Awesome. Uh, uh, my first pick, totally unrelated, but I just am so excited because um, I've, I still am kind of occasionally diving back into Flutter and seeing what's happening. And I saw this Flutter flow come up. And as you know, I, I started at Builder, so I keep checking out all these like visual editors now. Um, and this is one for Flutter that's come out. It's really neat. Um, you can drag all these kind of different uh, components into it and build an entire Flutter app, basically no code. Oh, so it's a low code tool for Flutter. Yeah, it's, it's cool. really, really impressive. Or no code, I guess. <laughs> And the, the tie-in with Firebase um, was spot on. So I, I was shocked. Like, we could have our whole site up and running very quickly on it. Pretty cool. Um, my second pick, which Brittany actually mentioned some post. I don't even remember what yeah, it was. Yeah, have I picked this before? I swear I had to have you picked have. this. You might have. <laughs> this podcast is so good. I won't ruin it. I, I had no idea about it, honestly. Um, and I think you posted about maybe it was the Fauna piece. You said something like we just did the Fauna podcast and then you came back to it and we're like, it's popping up everywhere now. Yep. Um, and I started like, wow, there's a lot out here. And so I started diving back through the episodes. Go check them out. Uh, just super... to listen. And they are so <laughs> hilarious. I mean, exactly. working at Netlify must be just like meme central because they are the funniest people on the planet. I tell you what, when when Phil and like Cassie get going on there, they're just ridiculous. <laughs> so it's a it's a great podcast. We're gonna have to up our game with like dad jokes or, or something. I don't know. I got that might turn viewers away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too serious on this. We need more um, laughs. Yeah, we gotta relax. Chill out. Well, Jason, I really appreciate your time. I think it's a really cool tool. I, I think without it, I don't know if I'd ever touch WordPress again. So honestly, you've opened up this whole new like realm of possibilities for people. Seriously.